Welcome to episode 14 of the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce podcast. This episode contains audio from our Chamber Live event, which took place on the 15th of September 2020 and was hosted by our Policy, Campaigns and Communications Director, Chris Fletcher. First up, we're very fortunate to have the Director of Trade Facilitation at the British Chambers of Commerce, Liam Smith, with us. Liam provides his perspective on the latest developments in the UK's trade negotiations with the EU. We follow this with a quick update from our Chamber Space General Manager, Nathan Chu, on our new hybrid event structure. Lewis Crow from our membership management team explains about the new cash flow manager service and the Chamber's involvement in the government's Kickstarter scheme. And then finally, our Head of Research, Subhakrishnan Harihara, takes us through some results from our GM Recovery Tracker. Welcome. Um, it's Tuesday the 15th of September and um, this is our fortnight of Chamber Live update on things that's happening uh, in the Chamber of Commerce here in Greater Manchester and we're looking a little bit further afield this morning hot on what happened yesterday in Parliament and news around uh, what's been going on with the withdrawal agreement and we'll come back to that in a minute. We'll also be having a look at some of the new services that we're looking at launching, uh, part of our support for growth initiative. We'll also be updating people on what's happening here in Greater with economic figures and uh, what impact things like local lockdown uh, and other measures are actually having. We just ask anyone, just if they're not talking, please just to mute themselves. Uh, if you've got any questions, obviously use the group chat facility, uh, type the question in there and we'll see what, uh, what, what you come up with and we'll get around to that in due course. We are recording uh, the event today and we will be publishing it on our YouTube channel and also as a podcast as well. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll crack on without any further ado. Um, just moving on to, uh, on to the latest uh, what's happening in Brexit and, uh, and last night the first vote took place in the controversial new internal market bill uh, with a government majority of 77, still some way to go with that. And this comes a week after Brexit talks came to a halt over concerns that UK government was ready to override some elements of, of the agreement. Uh, and actually, to quote the Northern Ireland Secretary, indicate that the UK will break international law in a very specific and limited way, whatever that phrase actually means. We understand this has raised strong concerns and the EU has called for more talks to address this. We're absolutely delighted today to welcome Liam Smyde as one of our guests from British Chambers of Commerce. Liam uh, is in charge of trade facilitation and customers declarations at uh, British Chambers of Commerce. So he's got a national and international overview on this. Liam, it's great to see you today and thanks very much for uh, taking the time in what must be a very busy schedule uh, with everything going on at present. Um, obviously, just looking at the latest development and, and really sort of jeopardising the ability of government to reach uh, an agreement with trade on the EU. Is there a way that this is going to get back on track or, or has something happened now we're, we're never going to get that, that trade deal done with the EU? I think, uh, thanks for uh, inviting me, Chris, and uh, team at uh, Greater Manchester Chamber. Um, you know, what, what we're seeing here in a way is, uh, is the EU trade negotiation with the UK uh, writ large. You know, this is, absolute negotiation going on. Um, uh, what's unusual is that uh, uh, our government is, is also pushing through legislation, if you like, in order that they're ready if, if the negotiation goes badly. So, um, you know, we, we're riding two horses here. One is 
as a government, the government is, is seeking to negotiate with uh, David Frost as Sherpa, lead Sherpa on the negotiations with uh, uh, Michel Barnier um, and their respective teams. But at the same time, in a way, the government has to do something should that, uh, should that negotiation fail. And so the, uh, the Internal Market Bill uh, seeks to address the, uh, the legislation that would be required uh, should the negotiations with the European Union fail in terms of trade. Complication, of course, is that the same government has already uh, signed the, uh, the withdrawal agreement and also uh, is subject to the uh, Belfast Agreement or the Good Friday Agreement, as it's commonly uh, called. And so um, one uh, uh, agreement, um, uh, or, or the legislation going through Parliament last night in its first reading, um, would breach the terms of those other agreements. So in a way, uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost amusing to watch uh, this whole thing playing out. And in, in a way, you know, kind of, uh, wonky people in the sidelines watching it all unravel, but actually it's really serious. You know, what's really serious is that a hard Brexit at the end of December would not be good for the UK economy, uh, uh, and uh, particularly given, uh, in any circumstance, never mind one where we have a backdrop of the COVID pandemic, furloughing of people, the latest uh, unemployment figures, and the prospect of uh, those figures increasing in the months ahead as uh, you know, redundancies and uh, uh, consultations currently taking place come to fruition. So this is a really difficult state of affairs. And whether you take a view that the there are people in government who've always wanted, you know, an end state of no deal with the EU or or not. I mean, again, just, you know, it's hyperbole. It's, it's just political kind of stuff. Um, th th this would be bad news. Uh, for um, the UK if we came out with no deal with the, the European Union. So, you know, last night's events in Parliament are part of the UK's uh, sabre-rattling kind of, uh, we really want a deal, give us the deal we want. And the EU response and Marnie's response is just exactly the same thing. So, you know, it, it, what you're seeing is lots of rhetoric on both sides as we get closer to one side or probably both having to give up something to get a deal or walking away, you know, and and actually, uh, you know, the walking away looks more likely than ever. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously of a, of a huge concern to people, and it's not just the immediate impact; it's what happens afterwards. And as you said, you know, we've seen the job figures this morning and furlough coming to an end. It is a real perfect storm of stuff coming through. Yeah. Taking all that out of the uh, out of what's happening at the present moment in time, in recent polls carried out by uh, British Chambers of Commerce indicate there's still a good proportion of companies who've, who've yet to take any steps to prepare uh, for, for whatever happens. And of course, now the, the trade negotiations are really ramped up and we've got everything that's happening at, at present. Now more than ever, we need that help and advice. I mean, what, what could government do to ensure more companies are, are prepared uh, to take action? I, I could be flippant and say, be credible, trustworthy and provide certainty. But I wouldn't do that. Um, uh, the the uh, I, I guess what we need uh, government to do, and actually th this week, uh, one of the things that government's doing is uh, through HMRC is writing to to the two hundred and twenty thousand VAT registered businesses with a letter that sets out as clearly as they have ever done the steps that need to take place. Of course, it starts with 
uh, make sure you have an EORI number. And uh, through pressure from the British Chambers, uh, 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 you know, about a year ago, uh, when they were banging on about uh, through ad campaigns saying get an EORI number and this is how to apply, they actually eventually listened and just issued them to companies. So all VAT registered companies ought to have an EORI number. But it then goes on to state in a, a sort of nine, I think, or 10 point uh, uh, plan, um, all of the elements that, that either businesses absolutely need to do or may opt to do and link directly and they link directly to that advice. Um, and, and it includes, um, you know, talking to uh, um, a, you know, signing up an intermediary because for the first time they admit that actually customs declarations are complicated, which they are. Uh, that you need specialist software in order to make them, which you do, that you have to have connections with the port inventory systems uh, uh, as well to be functional, uh, functional on import, which is absolutely right. So there's clarity about and, and candor about how complex it is, uh, but there's also, you know, uh, very directional uh, guidance coming in that letter to, to firms. Uh, that's also been published online yesterday. Um, I have to tell you that we, we feel slightly responsible as we help to draft that letter to bring that clarity and to bring that candor. So if you get any uh, problems with it, then we're to blame too. So we would be in the pile. But, but the, the good thing is they're doing that. Now, as recently as yesterday, so the latest stats came out that, that, that were published by a research organization on business say that between only between 20 and 40% of small and medium-sized firms have done anything. And that's incredibly worrying. Um, large firms, it's more like 70% uh, say that they are in a state of readiness. And, and that state of readiness is that they know as much as we all do at the moment, uh, in the absence of, there are, you know, four new uh, IT systems that will operate at our border, two are, uh, you know, in uh, a state of uh, functional test uh, and seem to work, and two, uh, the, you know, hauliers, the port systems and so on have yet to see. We haven't seen them. Uh, article in the Guardian yesterday with a leaked report that says they ain't going to be ready talks about seven thousand trucks blockading. Uh, I mean, never, never mind the EU uh, apparently, and they didn't, by the way, saying that they would blockade food exports from the UK. They never said that, or imports from the EU. They never said that either. Um, that, that's a that's that's a diversion from the government's own report that says that um, you know even if we have these systems ready, we could have seven thousand trucks. Um, within a week uh, queuing up at the port of Dover. So these are systems that are designed, that we haven't got yet, that are designed to um, ensure that trucks are port ready. They've got all the paperwork in place. Um, they've picked up goods that have got customs declarations for export, <coughs> or they're, they're traveling to the port to pick up goods that have been cleared for customs for import. So there's lots of things that are not known at the moment, but the key things SMEs need to do yeah. is make sure they've got an EORI number and understand it. Make sure that they uh, have commissioned a customs broker agent or intermediary to do their work. And that they are absolutely certain that that intermediary has capacity to not let them down. And one of the things that we've been doing in chambers, of course, is building out Chamber Customs, a new customs agency and brokerage service across the UK that uniquely has got capacity. And we can be certain about that because we've only just started recruiting customers and those customers can be guaranteed when we say we can do your, you know, 500 declarations a year because you do 10 imports and exports a week. When we tell you we can do that, we're drawing it down from our capacity and we can give you that reassurance. Importantly, all of our people are highly trained. 
you know, we're talking about a system that's been, you know, approved by HMRC, that's high on, on compliance and assurance, and will be able to deliver for our chamber members and international trade customers, who frankly, we already know, they know us, they know how we, we do what we do, and they can trust that we'll do it right. So we're ready to do that. And we really want people to, you know, sign up to our service now, sign our terms and conditions, we can do the due diligence so that we're absolutely ready to transact right now or on the 1st of January if they're EU traders. Okay, that's great, Ali. I'm just conscious of the time you need to uh, shoot off for a, another mm-hmm. event. I suppose, suppose sort of the, the final thing to say is, though, just to sort of say, use the Chamber Network, as you've just mentioned, uh, there's the experts, we know the customers. Um, there's a lot at play here, and, and just going through some of those issues that you've described there around the border controls, I mean, that's you know, it seems an awful lot of work that needs to be done in a very short space of time. It, it, it is a huge amount of work and, and, and there, there isn't a lot of time. You know, we're, I think, 108 days until the 31st of December today, aren't we? Uh, there are thereabouts. Um, to put, put the systems in place, to get ready, um, we'll take some effort from firms who haven't done anything yet and a bit of effort from firms who have done as much as they can because there's still more to do. Yeah. Um, the, the, the key thing to understand here is the volumes. So we're going from 55 million declarations a year to 300 million. That's a lot of transactions and that's going to affect 150,000 businesses. So um, I don't quite, I don't really want to get you rushing to your supermarket to buy toilet roll and beans, but the scenario is similar. There is yeah. going to be a, a demand that's going to incredit, you know, outstrip supply by a multiplier. And so if you, if you want to have uh, security of knowing your declarations can be done. Um, you know, talk to your chamber, secure the capacity, because once you've we've secured it and committed it to you, we're not committing it to anyone else. Yeah. That's great. Liam, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Absolutely Thanks. fantastic. And uh, I'd like to get you back on maybe in a month or so's time when things, I keep saying this about Brexit, when things may be a little bit clearer. Uh, I think I was saying this about two years ago, and I'm still saying it now, but we are coming to that end point, aren't we, at some stage, and things, like you said, are, are getting uh, interesting and a bit vexed as well between the parties concerned. So uh, if we could get you back on again in, a, in, a, in another month or so's time, just for an update or whatever on the work that you're doing and the Chamber Network is doing in the context of everything we see and hear in the newspapers, that would be absolutely brilliant. Liam, thank you so much for your time You're today. most welcome. I'll be delighted to, uh, to, to do that and, uh, uh, you know, stay busy. Thank you. Okay. Cheers, Liam. Thanks very much. Bye. That was great. That was um, Liam Smider from uh, British Chambers of Commerce really giving a, a sort of top-level view on, on some of the things. And again, you know, some of that sounded a little bit sort of, um, you know, oh, what's going to happen? We're not quite certain. Um, and it's just a reflection, really, I think, on where things actually are at present with the whole uh, Brexit deal and, uh, and the withdrawal agreement. Um, before uh, we bring in Lewis uh, uh, from the membership team, just want to just say good morning to, uh, to Nathan, um, our general manager here at Chamber Space. I'm in uh, the Tony Wilson room here at, uh, at Elliot House today, uh, hosting the event, uh, which is great to, uh, to see everybody. And Nathan, I just want to ask you about um, uh, an idea or an event we've got coming up in a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be what's called a hybrid event. Can you just explain what that is for anybody that may be uncertain? Yeah, of course. Good, good morning, everyone. Um, so, obviously, with uh, the way things are that everyone understands at the moment, we can't 
as, a, as, a, as an industry, a conference and events industry, we can't get as many people into a room and that means event organizers can't get all their delegates into a physical space. So a hybrid event gives um, organizers and people uh, running events the opportunity to get a certain number of people in the room for uh, atmosphere, but socially distanced, uh, and also stream that event out to um, as many as 10,000 people on the uh, on the software that we're using. Um, so it, it just opens up a lot more sort of possibilities of, uh, of, of engagement and promotion in a different way. And, and we're looking to hold a hybrid event of our own in partnership with the Unique Venues of Manchester on the 1st of October. Okay, that's great. And what, what's, what's the idea behind that, Nathan? What, what, what's the event based on? So the event is, um, we're, we're sort of targeting it towards anyone that, that, that looks to arrange and, and hold meetings and events, um, but primarily event organisers, PAs, EAs, uh, that, that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of uh, section of, 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 of companies, just event bookers. And what's really exciting about it is it's probably going to be one of Manchester's very first hybrid events. And we're not just doing, we're not just talking about an event where, you have a static camera putting out a stream to, uh, to a, a number of people sat like zombies in their living rooms. Uh, this, this is a, a really exciting piece of kit that we've got in. So we're partnering with an AV company that will have multiple cameras and TVs all around the venue. And it's an exhibition as well. So we will have virtual exhibitors and physical exhibitors on site. There's a uh, platform called Swap Card that we were use, that we're using, which means that the people engaging physically and virtually will run and see the agenda of the conference and can move from space to space uh, through through this uh, through this platform. It's really really exciting, and I, you know I, I, I advise anyone that is thinking about holding events or, or or looking at the future of events to to come along and take a look. Yeah, that sounds uh, absolutely superb. And again, as we're finding our way through this next phase of the pandemic, and it's, it's more about living with the effects of COVID-19 and having to change things and everything, it's great to see such a, a, a fantastic response, quick response taking place to, to make the most of technology. And finally, just before you go, Members Lounge opened yesterday. Uh, and obviously, if people do want to use it, they've, they've got to get online and, 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 uh, and book a place. Yes, that's right. We had our very first member in the lounge yesterday, which was, uh, which was a great excitement to all involved. But absolutely, come one, come all, no more than eight at a time. But yeah. you, you know what I mean. It'll be very good to see you. Yeah, fantastic. That. Thanks very much, Nathan. You're doing a great job uh, as ever. So thanks very much for that. Nathan's uh, sat upstairs. I'm, I'm down here on the ground floor. We probably can't get much more socially distanced than that. Uh, our next uh, speaker today is uh, Lewis Crow from, uh, from the membership team. And uh, Lewis, I understand you're going to take us through some uh, information about our new support for growth range of services. Yes, that, that's, that's right, Chris. Thanks ever so much for, uh, for having, me, uh, having me on Chamber Live again today. Um, so we've recently put together our new support for growth range of services, um, which is to provide our Chamber members with the support required to grow and develop, basically. Um, we've brought together a range of specially selected uh, services um, to ensure that our members are in the best position to navigate any challenges that they may face in the future. So the collection of services that we've put together, Chris, um, they are a mixture of existing chamber benefits um, and that will, will help and support businesses uh, alongside brand new partner services, just to ensure 
but we're there at every step of the way for businesses to help them recover, rebuild and to grow. Um, so over the coming weeks, um, here in the membership team, we'll be shining a light on a particular support for growth service, um, utilising obviously the opportunity to speak with you on Chamber Live uh, to give our members a little bit more information. That's cool. And what, what service are you going to be focusing on today for us? Um, well, today I wanted to take uh, you through a new addition uh, to the Chamber offering, which is a partner service that we have called Cashflow Manager. Um, so the Chamber have partnered with Cashflow Manager UK to offer our members exclusive discounts uh, to allow them to access affordable accounting software, basically to simplify the bookkeeping process. Um, so Cashflow Man Manager has a, both a standard and a, and a gold level. So it is actually uh, beneficial for uh, businesses of all different sizes. It's got packages to help dependent on the needs of the business. Um, but it's particularly popular with sole traders, startups and SMEs who are basically looking for a reliable way to maintain their records of their accounts. Um, and in addition to this, uh, the programme, once downloaded, is fully accessible offline, which is quite beneficial because, as you know, with people working from home, some people unfortunately are in areas where potentially the, the, the internet um, coverage isn't as good, um, but you can always access um, your accounts, manage them at any time offline, and then they advise that you log on once a month just to make sure you're backing everything up, basically. That's great. Very, uh, very accessible and, and a flexible service. Though you just mentioned uh, at the start of that uh, an exclusive offer for Great Master Chamber members for this service. What, what's that offer? Yeah. So basically, with the Cash Flow Manager software, um, I mean it's very competitive in terms of its pricing anyway, and usually works out about twelve pounds per month for the for the standard package. Um, but what we're doing is for our chamber members, they essentially get three months of their twelve months subscription free of charge. So you're getting. The 12 months for the price of nine, basically, just to make it even more affordable and accessible, uh, particularly as we've noticed that there's a lot of businesses within our membership where people have multiple responsibilities in a company. So if we can help to make your life easier in any of those responsibilities, it frees up your resources a little bit at your side. Okay, that's great. And obviously, if anybody's watching this or, or is on the, at the event today, how can they find out more information? Uh, in terms of that, if you get in contact with one of our membership team, uh, we'll happily provide you with some further information about uh, Cashflow Manager and the service itself. And then if it's of interest to you, couldn't be easier to sign up and get involved. We literally have a landing page available um, that enables you to pop your details in and get all, all set up and get a download code so you're ready to use the software. That's fantastic. And uh, we're also involved as a chamber now in, in the government's kickstart scheme, which started a couple of weeks ago and people may have heard a little bit about it. Can you tell us some more about, uh, about what that actually is? Of course. Um, it's a, a, first, it's a fantastic scheme uh, for us to be involved with um, and definitely ticks the boxes in terms of the Chamber helping and supporting not only businesses but also uh, the local community in Greater Manchester as well. Um, so for that, many of you, as Chris mentioned, will have heard about the new Kickstarter scheme. But for those of you who haven't, it's a two, million, two billion pound investment by the government to basically create work placement opportunities for young people between the ages of 16 and 24 who are currently on universal credit. Um, so this provides a fantastic opportunity for young people to receive the work experience uh, that they need at a difficult time for the job market, but also provides employers with additional resources with their salaries fully funded by the government. Right, so it's really good. And what, what's the Chamber's role within that? Um, well, it's, it's quite interesting, really, because businesses can apply directly themselves, but to apply directly yourself, you need 30 work placements, which obviously does restrict uh, most businesses, to be totally honest. 
Um, so what we're able to do, organisations such as ourselves at the Chamber are able to support these businesses that have a smaller number of placements available by building groups of 30 placements across many businesses. Um, so this ensures that these opportunities are still available to the companies that need the resources and also there's the diversity in work available for those placements, not just the large, you know, uh, nationwide businesses that can, can offer these placements. Which is ideal. So if you've got one, two, three, four placements or whatever it is, obviously we're here to help businesses do that. How can uh, businesses, and they don't just have to be chamber members, this is available to, to any business in Greater Manchester, isn't it? How can they register their interest with us uh, and what steps should they take? Um, well, as you say, it's, um, it's available to absolutely everybody who'd like to get involved. So we'd encourage um, anybody who this, uh, this interest to get in touch. Um, it's a really simple process to register your interest in the Kickstarter scheme. All you need to do is send an email in to ourselves at mmt at gmchamber.co.uk with your company name, your contact details, and the number of placements that you'd be able to offer. Uh, we'll then gather this information and we'll contact you back to help with the process. So that enables us to build the, the, the batches of 30, uh, 30 placements, 30 job placements at a time. Okay, that's absolutely fantastic, that, Lewis. And uh, again, just to reiterate that, Please look out on the brief on social media. We've got those details going out there. So if you're watching this and you've got a couple of placements and you're thinking, well, I don't qualify for that, get in touch with us and we can help you with other businesses to make sure we, we can put you in touch and see if there is any help available through what is an important scheme. And again, probably one that over the next couple of months will be even more crucial uh, as we face that tricky build-up over the autumn and winter months. Lewis, as ever, thank you very much for that very... Fun, uh, excellent update on uh, on the latest from uh, from membership. And look forward to hearing more about our support for growth programmes and initiatives over the coming months. Lewis, thank you very much. Um, and uh, our final speaker today is uh, is Subra, head of research uh, and, and policy here at uh, at the Chamber of Commerce. And Subra, um, we've just closed the latest recovery tracker survey, so uh, these results are literally hot off the press. What, what are they showing us at the present moment in time as regards the Greater Manchester economy? Uh, that's correct, Chris. Uh, I'm just waiting for someone to make me a co-host so I can actually share slides, but I'll speak until then. <laughs> um, my voice has not been taken away. Uh, yeah, so what the latest results uh, show are a further uh, stabilization, or uh, perhaps we could call it a stagnation um, in, in terms of the uh, demand numbers. Um, so if you, if you uh, recall in the last uh, a few weeks, what we have seen is a tapering uh, of the uh, growth that we experienced uh, between, say, April, May, and then uh, into July. Um, since then, there seems to be this uh, tapering that has taken place. There was a further worsening in the uh, last uh, uh, fortnight. So since the beginning of September, the uh, sales line has uh, gone down slightly. It's uh, from minus 15 to around minus 18. Uh, but a sharper drop in the advanced orders lines uh, from uh, minus 21 uh, down to minus uh, 26. So where does that uh, leave us then? Um, I mean, this is confirmed by some other developments which are uh, taking place. Um, and so in terms of the recovery, uh, certainly it is going to be a, a more a muted uh, recovery trend. And what I have done is, uh, you know, in, in the previous uh, recovery models that we had, um, it was based on the entire data um, since uh, April and May. And I, I mean, that, that, that could still be the best case scenario. So which is why you have multiple lines towards the, the right hand side of uh, that uh, chart there on your screens. 
So the best case scenario is um, is the the dotted uh, green line and the dotted uh, gray line, uh, but that is the best case scenario. That is assuming there is a a sudden a reversal uh, in the demand uh, that we are seeing now um, to an increasing um, level. Uh, it is it, it does seem slightly unlikely because there is a lot of confusion and concern around local lockdowns. Um, you know, a lack of clarity about what the guidelines are for different groups of businesses, for different types of people. Um, so it is highly unlikely that we will have that best case scenario play out exactly uh, as such. And so we have a more realistic uh, scenario, uh, which is our revised downtrend, which shows a slight stagnation uh, or even a slight reduction in demand going into October. What that would then mean is that the slight W-shaped recovery, which was talked of earlier on, um, so if you, if you remember, again, we had this alphabet soup being uh, talked about uh, earlier on uh, in April and May, where we, and some people were saying, actually, you know, you could have a sudden sharp recovery, uh, a V-shaped recovery, but then if there is a second wave of infections causing a second lockdown, then we would have a further decline, so it would look like a W-shaped recovery. It doesn't look like a W-shaped recovery yet, but I think there is going to be a slight reduction in uh, demand in the coming weeks. So that's our revised uh, recovery lines. Uh, so you have the, uh, the, the reddish purple line uh, for current sales, showing uh, sales actually going down into the next uh, three or four weeks. And then a slightly similar picture uh, for our um, advance orders as well. So the orange line, which is looking more or less uh, stable uh, for now. So it isn't great news uh, for a Tuesday morning, the sun's shining, but the economic sun is not shining at the moment. Of course, this morning we've seen the latest release of the job figures as well uh, from the Office of National Statistics, showing that there's 700,000 people uh, since March up to, I think it's July, isn't it, that have, uh, are no longer in work. That's correct, Chris. So, um, what the, the data release uh, shows is that up to 700,000 jobs have now been lost. Uh, that's just the minor detail, to be honest, within this data release. Uh, you know, okay, 700,000 people have lost their jobs. That's a tragedy, but it is still a minor detail. And I say that because the ONS also shows that up to 5 million people are still temporarily away from work. That includes the number of people who are in furlough, uh, but it also includes other people who have, you know, whose businesses may have been temporarily closed uh, pending a restart and a recovery. And um, so that's, again, a, a big issue there. So 5 million uh, people are still temporarily away from jobs. But the ONS data also shows something else, which is rather interesting. Vacancies, new vacancies have actually gone up in, uh, in July compared to uh, the month of uh, June. But where are those new vacancies uh, coming up? Those new vacancies are coming up in uh, freight and logistics. They are coming up in uh, retail. Now you might think, well, retail is actually shedding jobs. So why are there new vacancies? All of this, and then there are new uh, vacancies coming up in construction. And so let me start with the construction point first. So in the last few weeks, what we have seen in the construction sector is a slight increase in demand for warehousing space, for private industrial space. And so that is what is, you know, it's, it's a result of demand that we are seeing elsewhere. So why freight and logistics? E-commerce is the primary reason uh, for that. But it could also indicate some advanced preparation for Brexit, which is what Liam was starting uh, talking about earlier. 
So we know that e-commerce sales have increased significantly, and that would mean you need a lot more warehousing space. So there is significant investment taking place in warehousing space nationally, but also in Greater Manchester. Retail, most of the jobs that are coming up in retail, and retail is a very loose definition. It includes Amazon, but it also includes your independent uh, retailer uh, down the road. Most of those retail jobs are, again, the result of big supermarket chains, uh, companies like Amazon, etc., ramping up their e-commerce operations you know, in the lead up to the festive season and beyond. So if, you, if we just take that data and you know, a slightly higher level point might be that there, is, there has been this change in behavior and that change in behavior, at least the retailers expect, is going to be a permanent trend that people are going to be shopping less from physical stores mm. and more uh, online. Yeah, and this is where it all starts to, like you said, to sort of merge together, where we've got a lot of, you know, enforced innovation and changes. And I mean, this was happening uh, in the lead up to uh, to COVID-19. What's happened over the last six months is it's been compressed and that process has speeded up, hasn't it? And, and things have happened at a much greater pace. And obviously when things like that happen, uh, big numbers arise at, at the other end because the change is so much more dramatic. Uh, in, in the long run. Just going back to the, 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 the graph summer, and obviously I know for a while we've been saying and um, as an organisation going off the, the data and again that comes from you know members there out, out on the front line. We were looking at reaching that, that black line across the middle, the zero point and going back into positivity sometime in October. I'm looking at that now and that, that point is moving further and further away, isn't it? That's correct. So we, I mean our initial model in June uh, based on the data that was then available, indicated that we would be reaching positive territory before the end of September. Um, you know, since then we have had to revise it down, so the data showed it would be in October, but now the data shows it's going to be November. So this is going to be, you know, slow. It is going to be drawn out. Um, we are not going to see a rapid uh, rebound yet. Uh, but business activity levels have certainly gone up. You know, hospitality uh, sector saying a pretty good response uh, to the eat out to help out scheme. Um, so business activity levels are picking up, but I think the overall economic recovery trend is becoming more and more muted. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's difficult to say exactly what's going on. The only thing I will say for certain is they're probably the most up-to-date figures that anyone has got hold of at the present moment in time, because a lot of government stuff is two or three months out of date at the very least before they release it. That is probably a few days uh, or at least a week uh, old, that data coming directly from, from businesses. Uh, like I said, out there on the front line. So again, uh, the final thing to say is for, for anybody on the call and watching this uh, at a later date, please, if you get a request to fill in a survey, a business survey, this is the type of information we need from it. And we can do an awful lot with this. We get an awful lot of requests from media, from government, from local authorities here to find out what's actually going on in the local economy. And as up to date as we can make that data and information and results means we can get a much better response uh, for businesses in these very trying times. So, but thank you very much for that. We'll be officially releasing uh, the report tomorrow. So please look out for that in the brief uh, and on social media. The only thing I just want to uh, wrap up with today is obviously a lot of talk at present uh, around local lockdowns and measures. And we saw uh, a, a step up in, in what was going on as regards restrictions in Bolton last week. Uh, with all hospitality now reverting to takeaway sales only. I've been watching the numbers of infections steadily increase throughout Greater Manchester and other areas in the UK. There's all sorts of talk around 
what might happen next, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, one of the things we want to do as a Chamber of Commerce is make sure if you're a business in one of those areas or worried about what may happen in your area, that you know what is actually going on. Uh, we do have a COVID section on the main Chamber website, gmchamber.co.uk, uh, and one of the navigation tabs at the top will take you to a COVID-19 specific website. It's been set up right from day one of the pandemic, really, and we're updating that on a regular basis with all the latest information about what you can and can't do now in the local areas. Uh, and again, it's not stuff we've invented or put our own spin on or anything like that. It's direct information from government, from local authority websites, uh, from the NHS, etc. So it is direct from the people who are making these decisions. So please, if you haven't done so yet, just have a look at it. We're changing uh, all sorts of things that we're having to do in the building here to make sure we're still COVID compliant. Uh, it will be the same for any business out there. So please make sure you're ahead of what you need to do uh, to make sure your business can continue to trade successfully and safely through the next few months until hopefully uh, we get beyond the current crisis that we are in. So without any further ado, what I'd like to do is just thank all our speakers, Liam, uh, in his absence uh, for joining us, Nathan, Lewis and Subra. Uh, another packed uh, event today with lots of information, everything from Brexit withdrawal agreements right through to um, whatever shape the recovery uh, graph is looking like. Now, I'm going to start calling it a sideways L. Uh, I don't know about it, or a lazy V, or maybe it is that Nike swoosh tick even more extended. They could be going on for a few, uh, few more feet, actually, on the end of that with the way that the results are coming in now. But we'll get there eventually. We will cross that positive line and get back into growth at some stage, sooner the better. So thank you very much for joining us. 